Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio, your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Tuesday, February 7th, and we start with local news. A domestic dispute turned violent yesterday at the Golston Woods subdivision in Columbia, where a standoff between a man and the police lasted most of the day. WKOMWKRM's Del Kennedy was on the scene. This is Del Kennedy, Front Porch Radio. It's 3.35. I'm at the Golston Woods subdivision off of Dew Drive here in Columbia, Tennessee. Uh, there has been an ongoing standoff between a man and a uh, Columbia Police, Murray County Sheriff's Department deputies since 7 a.m. this morning. Vehicles and ambulances are now starting to move up. The situation is apparently resolved. We did not hear any gunshots uh, prior to the resolution, so we assume, or I assume, that someone has been taken into custody uh, without injury. Uh, The ambulance did not go up with blue lights on or anything or emergency lights on or anything of that nature uh it doesn't appear that there's any urgency to the situation at this point we will bring you more information as we have it this is del kennedy front porch radio it's 3:40 in the afternoon i'm at the golshan woods subdivision here off dew lane in columbia tennessee there has been an ongoing standoff situation between an unidentified man and columbia police Murray County Sheriff's Department since 7 o'clock this morning. The ambulance uh, has and other vehicles have started to move up. The uh, emergency command post is being driven away from the scene, so it appears that the situation has resolved. No shots were heard, so my assumption is that the situation was resolved peacefully, although folks here at the scene said they've heard flashbangs and uh, tear gas going off Uh, almost throughout the day. None of that happened, though, prior to the apparent resolution of this matter. Uh, Again, we don't know the identity of the man. This this appears to arise from a domestic dispute early this morning with his wife or uh, girlfriend. And uh, the word we have is that the wife and girlfriend have been safely removed from the scene for some time. And we're waiting on police to give us more information as this story develops. Again, Delp Kennedy, Front Porch Radio. WKON, WKRM, Clayton Harris here with a breaking news update from the standoff situation earlier today. Uh, sources to WKON, WKRM, Front Porch Radio News tells us that the suspect is dead 47 year old male suspect who was held in the standoff today has died that's according to sources to wkom wkrm radio stay tuned for more information as we get it now back to our regularly scheduled programming on wednesday february 8th secretary of the treasury janet l yellen will travel to spring hill tennessee to visit the altium cells battery plant to highlight how the Inflation Reduction Act and other Biden-Harris administration policies are incentivizing historic investments in clean energy manufacturing and the onshoring of battery production. Since the Inflation Reduction Act was signed into law six months ago, dozens of companies across the clean energy spectrum have announced tens of billions of dollars in investments in the United States that are expected to create thousands of good-paying jobs. 
China currently produces 70% of batteries for electric vehicles, and the Inflation Reduction Act's incentives for battery manufacturing will help the United States grow the domestic clean energy economy. Altium Cells is a joint venture between General Motors and LG Energy Solutions. Altium Cells will manufacture battery cells for the Cadillac Lyric, which is produced at the adjacent General Motors plant. The new Altium Cells plant is expected to employ nearly 1,700 workers when it is fully operational. Secretary Yellen will deliver her remarks at the site of the future Altium Cells plant at 3 p.m. tomorrow. J.R. Baker Elementary Principal John Micah Clanton was surprised recently when he was at a principal's meeting when Murray County Public Schools Superintendent Lisa Ventura announced him as the district's principal of the year. It was certainly an honor, said Clanton, who is in his seventh year of being principal at J.R. Baker Elementary. Clanton and the formally announced Teachers of the Year were recognized on January 19th at a district banquet. Originally from Truckee, a resort town near Lake Tahoe in California, Clanton graduated from Harding University in 1996 and began working in special education, including five years in Fresno. Active in wrestling and football in school, he played football in college for a couple of years while obtaining his two majors in special education and elementary education. After a move back to Fresno with Allison, his wife of 25 years, Clanton added a master's degree in education and administration and supervision from Fresno State University. Teaching special education and coaching in both wrestling and football, Clanton moved to Tennessee in 2004 when he accepted a position at Independence High School in Thompson Station. From there, Clanton's next step was his role as assistant principal at Whitthorn Middle School in Columbia, before accepting the principal position at Baker. Capping off his education, he obtained an educational, I'm sorry, an additional education specialist degree from Lipscomb University. Clanton's three children all attend Murray County Schools as well. Now, at age 50, if he's not leading the charge at Baker, he's camping or just spending time with family and friends. I believe the award is a testament to the teachers and staff I have at Baker. Clanton wrote in a bio submission to school administrators, Seven years ago, we all sat down to develop a vision so that we had a foundation on which to build. That vision is ensuring we all grow, Clanton says, explaining the acronym as being goal-oriented, risk-taking to promote growth, owning our own behavior, and working collaboratively to learn. Clanton said as well he has to credit the hard work of his assistant principal, Robin Smith, who he says is to be honored as part of the reason he was chosen. Mr. Clanton is so steady and consistent, Smith said. He's always done what's right for kids as individuals and as members of our collective student body. I don't think that people realize how much thought and preparation he puts into the every day of running a school. He's truly interested in what's going on with all of our students, both in and out of the classroom, and that goes a long way, she said. Smith said the past few years have been difficult in education, but because of Clanton's steady leadership and willingness to tackle things head on, our staff is one that handles the hard things better, Smith said. Our kids pick up on that, too. I witness extraordinary things on a daily basis, Clanton said. Many of those things are never measured at all. While Clanton acknowledges the challenges of working as an educator today, he said sometimes the job is just to help some students get their most basic needs met while keeping them educated at grade level. Many critics don't know what it is like to be in a school, nor do they know the people who daily put the needs of students first and experience the growth and sometimes heartache our students deal with, Clanton said. 
Clanton said he is not really sure why he was chosen in favor of the other principals in the district, but says he is certain his strong suit is working with people, including students, parents, and other staff. I don't know how I'm doing things any differently than my other colleagues, but every one of them does a fantastic job, Clanton said. One of the most important values, he says, is having a relationship of trust with his co-workers. Peers might describe him as someone who wants people to succeed. I enjoy people, and I'm not a micromanager, he adds. I let teachers do their job, still holding them accountable as well, he said. The challenges ahead, Clanton admits, is watching children who come into the schools who have grown up with difficult home lives. While acknowledging his leadership in areas of instruction and budgeting, he looks directly at problems some students are having, such as homelessness, saying there's a need to ensure a child has basic needs met so they best receive academic instruction. What does he enjoy most about his job? Students seeing him out and remembering him, watching students progress and graduate, and particularly a baker, he enjoys all the hugs he gets from kids that make him look forward to coming to school every day. Congratulations to Lieutenant James Shannon and Lieutenant John Ussery on their retirement from the Columbia Police Department. Lieutenant Shannon started his career with the Columbia Police Department back on February 27th of 1996. During his tenure at Columbia Police Department, Lieutenant Shannon has served in many capacities, including the Cops Unit, Crime Suppression Unit, Motorcycle Patrol, Narcotics and Vice Unit, FBI Violent Crimes Task Force, Patrol Sergeant, Lieutenant of Narcotics and Vice, and as a lieutenant of patrol. Lieutenant John Ussery started his career with the Columbia Police Department back on December 12th of 1994. During his tenure at Columbia Police Department, Lieutenant Ussery has served in many capacities, including as an explorer, a patrol officer, a master patrol officer, a sergeant of narcotics and vice, lieutenant of narcotics and vice, and lieutenant of the Criminal Investigations Division. We thank both Lieutenants Shannon and Ussery for their service to our community. Mount Pleasant's commissioners discussed repair work at the city's wastewater lagoon and approved a reduced bid last month. City manager Kate Collier told the council that bids came in well above initial estimates, saying the bid came in at $824,895, quite a bit more than we anticipated it being. But we are mandated by the Tennessee Department of Environment and Conservation and the state to fix some of the problems and shore up the berms, she said. Rousen LLC was the lowest of four bidders on the project at the quoted $824,895 price. Collier said the city's finance department had reduced the scope of the project to fit within previous estimates of $535,000. Mobilization, access and erosion, erosion control construction, along with riprap armoring and buttressing of areas B, C, and D on the north end of the lagoon will proceed while repairs on the South Lagoon and other areas will have to wait, Collier indicated. Riprap is defined as a layer of large stones that protects soil from erosion in areas of high or concentrated flows. I'm not saying we won't have to come back next year to do the rest of it, but we're getting started and the state will see we're making progress, Collier said. We're going to be spending money every so often on these lagoons, Commissioner Mike Davis said, but we're going to have problems up there. We need to find a way somehow of doing away with those lagoons, he said. Collier noted that the lagoons prevent the city's sewer plant from being overrun during heavy rains by providing storage capacity. Commissioners gave initial approval to a number of budget amendments, including over $1 million for downtown revitalization. 
Also included was $888,490 for construction of the city's second fire hall to be located at 209 Bond Street. The city commission approved a long-term bond in 2022 to pay for the construction. The council also approved a $4,000 match for a property conservation grant, which will be used to replace the outdoor lighting at the city's community center. Commissioners also passed a minor change on first reading in the city's wastewater regulations. City Attorney Corey Jones noted that the state had found some errors in the new regulations, none of which affected the impact of the rules. Jones described the errors as typos. Resolutions accepting sewer improvements to the Sugar Creek area were deferred until February's meeting at Collier's request. Collier noted in her report that the sewer trunkline rehabilitation project was near completion. That project was funded by a 2018 Community Development Block Grant and must be finished before the city can apply for another grant, which Collier said officials hoped would be the case this year. Mount Pleasant Mayor Bill White reappointed David Workman, William Bryson, and Jimmy Hines to the Beer Board, reappointed John Hunter to the Board of Zoning Appeals, reappointed Donna Morency and Jacqueline Granberry to the Historic Zoning Commission, reappointed Pam Thompson, Jennifer Graham, and Hunter, and named Hedrick so- Cedric Hollis to the Planning Commission, and appointed Lori Knowles and Granberry, and reappointed Bedford Smith to the Recreation Commission. The Mount Pleasant City Commission is next scheduled to meet on February 21st. Columbia's city park system could be getting a new addition or two as the city is considering a feasibility study to determine a location for a new skate park and splash pad. The study, which will be overseen by Kimley Horn and Associates, will cost approximately $43,200 and go before a city Columbia City Council vote later this month. Ultimately, it will determine whether a skate park and splash pad can be constructed, as well as its location, cost, and design. Parks and Recreation Director Mac Reagan said a major element to the study will be gathering public input. This is a strategic planning goal from last year, which basically will give us all of the information, public input, other evaluations to make sure we are good stewards of taxpayer money, Reagan said. It will give the public a chance to say what they would like to see moving forward. That way we can make sure we are doing what the public wants, he said. Reagan added that there will be opportunities in the future for citizens to meet with Kimley Horn representatives, most likely at a future council meeting, to discuss details of the study. They will come in and give the public a chance to speak for or against it, just opening it up to the general public, Reagan said. A lot of these meetings, from my experience in the past, are people who want a certain design, feature, or what they would like to see. For example, with skate parks, there are a lot of different designs, some with dramatic differences in cost, he said. Councilman Danny Coleman said having the public give its input is very important to the design process. I know there's a Facebook group that's all about Columbia needs a skate park, and so there are a lot of people ready to give their input, Coleman said. Reagan concluded, saying that his department hopes to gather any public input from anywhere possible. We'll do whatever is best for the city of Columbia and its population, Reagan said. A new art exhibit recognizing Black History Month is now on display at the Columbia Welcome Center located at 713 North Main Street. The exhibit, featuring local artist James Spearman, will be on display through the month of February. It is free to view the exhibit and open to the public during operating hours Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., Saturday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., and Sunday, 12 noon to 3 p.m. Art can be purchased directly through the artist. 
James Spearman received his Bachelor of Fine Arts at Wayne State University, specializing in interior architectural design and space planning. He was commissioned by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, Ohio, in partnership with Ford Motor Company and the Arts League of Michigan to paint a piece entitled Soul of Rock in 2004. The image was selected as the signature piece for their brochure and traveling exhibit. He was commissioned by the Martin Luther King Jr. Task Force in Southfield, Michigan in 2015 to sculpt and create a bronze metal bust of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., which is on permanent display in the main lobby of the Southfield Library in Southfield, Michigan. He has received commissions to paint many portraits and subjects of interest and has exhibited in several cities nationally. His work is owned by many collectors. He and his wife owned and managed Dell Gallery and Art Gallery in Lathrop Village, Michigan. His teaching experience includes more than 18 years teaching live art workshops for the Arts League of Michigan. After he and his wife moved to Columbia, Tennessee in 2007, he has taught live and virtual art workshops with the Healing Arts Project Incorporated. Spearman says he considers himself a realist, using a primary medium of oil on canvas. His preferred subject is figurative, but he also enjoys painting portraits, landscapes, and animals, with an emphasis on sensitivity, strength, and beauty in his images. You can find out more about James Spearman by visiting the exhibit or see examples of his work online at www.jamesspearmangallery.com. Make plans to attend the Mule de Gras Gumbo Cook-Off, raising funds for Center of Hope on February 21st from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at Mama Sucre, located at 1412 Trotwood Avenue in Columbia. Who's got the best gumbo in town? The entry fee of $10 will help you figure out if you can make the best gumbo in town. If you want to be a judge, $10 gets you three votes, a taste of each entry, and a bowl of your favorite. Enter for the bragging right and a trophy. There will be a parking lot party with karaoke, Mardi Gras beads, gumbo, and more. It's going to be a fat Tuesday at Mama Sucre. So come by the restaurant to enter in the cook-off. For more information, you can click the Mule de Gras Gumbo Cook-Off on Facebook. And now your hometown, I'm sorry, we don't have those today. For your southern middle Tennessee weather, we will have generally cloudy skies today with a chance of a rain shower. The high will be near 65 degrees with winds out of the south-southwest at 10 to 15 miles per hour. Tonight we can expect considerable cloudiness with occasional rain showers after midnight. The low will be near 50 degrees with light and variable winds. The chance of overnight rain, 40%. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why the way you feel has always been so important to Susie and Tony Sowell. When people come here, I hope they feel like they're working with a person who's just like family. And by the time they leave here, I hope they feel like they're a part of our family. What I like most is when a family is leaving, they can say thanks. You made something we thought would be hard, easier than we thought it would be. Not that we made it easy, we made it easier. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 
320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. Family first. (laughs) My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole bar. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwenGroup or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hello friends, this is Brian King from Tennessee Children's Home. Thank you seems appropriate for this time of year. At Tennessee Children's Home, we have even more to be thankful for this year. We have a new campus and have moved in. We've been overwhelmed by the support you've given us to the move to the new campus. Please continue to support us as we try to pay off this debt. Please go to our website, TennesseeChildrensHome.org, for more information. This is Brian King from Tennessee Children's Home. For the love of the climb. For the love of the fall. For the love of knowing your kids' laughter is the sweetest music there is. For the love of Tennessee. Travel safe. Brought to you by the Tennessee Department of Tourist Development, the Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. 
I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. The Tennessean, in collaboration with News Channel 5, Belmont University, and American Baptist College, is hosting a series of three candidate debates in advance of the Nashville mayoral election on August 3rd, and, if necessary, a fourth in advance of a potential September 14th runoff election. Dubbed the Nashville mayoral debates, the series will feature moderators from both the Tennessean and News Channel 5 and include participation from students of the hosting universities. Convening leaders to present, discuss, and as needed, vigorously debate the pressure, the pressing issues of the day while embracing the principle of civil discourse is one of the core missions of the Tennessean, said Michael A. Anastasi, the organization's vice president and editor. Nashville is at a crossroads and needs extraordinary executive leadership if it is to continue its ascent as a great American city, a city that works for all and continues to be the economic engine that propels Middle Tennessee and, indeed, the entire state, he added. The first two debates will take place May 18th and June 22nd at Belmont, which has its own impressive history of being the home of political discussion. The school most recently hosted a presidential debate in 2020 and was the site of mayoral debates in 2019. We are honored to partner with the Tennessean and News Channel 5 to host the Nashville mayoral debates on our campus as we recognize how vitally important it's kind of, this kind of conversation is to the process and flourishing success and flourishing of our city, said Belmont University President Dr. Greg Jones. Belmont is dedicated to collaboration and engagement across diverse perspectives, and we are grateful for the opportunity to further put this into action, he said. The third debate is scheduled for July 6th at American Baptist College, arguably the theological birthplace of the modern civil rights movement and alma mater of icons including John Lewis, C.T. Vivian, Bernard Lafayette, and James Bevel. Voting is an unalienable right, and every citizen should participate in the electoral process. It is our only way to level the playing field, said Dr. Forrest E. Harris Sr., president of American Baptist College. American Baptist College is a significant place to hold a mayoral forum. Students at the school in the 1960s fought for the right to vote. Now, here in 2023, a mayoral forum is being held on this campus in a building named after one of those students, Representative John Lewis who went on to become an even greater champion for justice. We are pleased to partner with the Tennessean in this endeavor and look forward to an exchange that benefits the city in order to get in good trouble, he said. The debates are set to conclude prior to the beginning of early voting on July 14th. The fourth debate, should one candidate not win a majority outright and the race and the race requires a runoff, will take place on August 24th at Belmont University. Qualification requirements and ticketing information for the public will be announced soon. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. 
Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Columbia's own 7th Annual Mid-State Classic Collegiate Softball Tournament returns March 15th at the Ridley Sports Complex. Come see the Lady Volunteers face off against Austin P. starting at 5.30 p.m. Opening game, Columbia State versus Motlow College at 1 p.m. Food trucks on site and parking is free. Tickets are $10 and sold exclusively online at ColumbiaTN.com slash Mid-State Classic. Or check out the City of Columbia Parks and Recreation today. The Mid-State Classic, March 15th. See you at the game. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today, and now our final story. Tennessee State University's marching band has made history after becoming the first Grammy Award-winning collegiate band. TSU's Aristocrats of Bands took home one of the least achievable musical awards by winning not one, but two Grammy Awards on Sunday. The band's album, The Urban Hymnal, won Best Roots Gospel Album, and their feature on Jay Ivey's The Poet Who Sat by the Door won in the Best Spoken Word Poetry Album category. Created on TSU's campus, their The Urban Hymnal Album was produced by TSU professor Larry Jenkins, Sir the Baptist, and Grammy Award-winning producer Dallas Austin. During his acceptance speech, Jenkins thanked TSU, his students, and AOB, calling it the best band in the land. TSU hosted a Grammy watch party on their campus on Sunday afternoon, and students' reactions to the win were posted on the band's Facebook page. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee on WKOM WKRM Radio. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great day.